When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to today's episode of Rao Pal Real Vision. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. If you've joined us for the Festival of Learning, you know that Ral and I are busy wrapping up with a live Ask Me Anything over on the website. I can neither confirm or deny whether any Spanish cava is involved. If you weren't able to make it, though, don't worry. We are going to do something special here as well. We're going to unlock a couple of conversations that were most popular among our members over the last few weeks. The first revolves around the role of hard assets in this period of stress. Want to save uh, 10 minutes for the discussion on gold versus Bitcoin. Um, as I said earlier, it is a bit of a hot potato, this topic. Uh, and <laughs> to use your um, uh, wording, Ronnie, um, I think the Bitcoin case is an extremely uh, dividing case in many ways. Uh, also, even compared to the gold case, everyone's got an opinion on Bitcoin as well. And either it's um, basically the cure for everything or else it's it's not worth anything. So, um, Frank, I'll start with you. Um, digital gold, um, Bitcoin versus the actual physical gold. What's your opinion on this? <laughs> Uh, I have very strong opinions. Um, so I did a debate a couple of years ago with Michael Saylor, who is the biggest Bitcoin proponent out there. And I did it for a reason, because uh, he was out there talking up Bitcoin, which is fine, you know, do whatever you like. But he was suggesting that gold was going to go to zero and Bitcoin was going to take over the entire gold market and go to a million dollars per coin. OK, and that really <laughs> I, I had to shake my head. And, then, and I, I, I challenged him to a debate. He finally agreed. And we you, know, you can find that on YouTube somewhere. There's over 2 million views on that. Uh, and I went through all the reasons why gold, Bitcoin is not gold, okay? Now, obviously, there, there, there are two similarities. The similarities are scarcity, okay? Gold is scarce. Bitcoin is scarce. You know, arguably more scarce than gold because gold has an inflation rate around 1.5%, 2% a year. Um, but here's the thing. And listen, I may, I've always said this. I may be wrong, but if you want my honest opinion, as whether Bitcoin is the same as gold as a store of value, I say absolutely not. And I'll give you all my reasons because it's untested in a crisis yet. It's barely a decade and a bit old. Okay, It's never been tested during a crisis. It does not behave and has not behaved like gold. They actually behave differently at different times, which is proof that it's not gold. It's something. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't you know, it behaves contrary to gold. For a long time, it was a momentum play, played by all the big players. And, and I have to give credit to the Bitcoin maxis. They did an incredible job of marketing the concept of Bitcoin, an incredible job, including buying off members of con- Congress with, with, with inflated Bitcoin prices. You know, you got to give them credit. They did it. Okay. 
Um, but but it's not it's not gold. Okay, gold's been around for five thousand years. Uh, gold an ounce of gold today will buy you a fine uh, gentleman suit, like a Cuccinelli suit. It'll buy one ounce. It'll buy. One hundred and fifty years ago, it bought you a nice gentleman suit. Two thousand years ago, it bought you a fine Roman tunic. Okay, it keeps its value. Period. So what do I fear? Uh, what is my fear about Bitcoin is that in a crisis, and I am one of those that believe that eventually we will have a dollar crisis, a fiat currency crisis, because you can't do what they're doing forever. Eventually, gravity will take over and you're going to have a loss of confidence. You're going to have a crisis. Um, if Bitcoin is any type of threat to the U.S. dollar system or perceived to be a threat, they will keel haul it, and it's easy to do. All you have to do is outlaw the ownership of Bitcoin or, or, or control the, um, the amount that you own, and you can shut off the on and off ramps quite easily. It's a digital asset that you can shut it off with a switch of a button if you wanted to. And so if that were to happen in a really extreme scenario, what are you going to do with all that code sitting in your wallet? What good is it going to do? Now, listen, gold, they've tried to confiscate your gold in the past. The U.S. tried to do it in 1933. First, they said, you know, turn in all your gold. And then momentarily after that, they, they repriced gold or devalued the dollars. So they basically screwed over the American people. Um, and in 1971, after all the promises, you know, Nixon closed the gold window and said, no, we're no longer gold back. You can't have our gold. So it was gold was like smoke. You thought it was there. You went to grab it and it was gone. Okay. so. They may try and confiscate your gold, but they will never try and kill it because they own it. Central banks own a lot of gold and they keep buying it, including the US has a lot of gold. Um, it's not selling it. Okay, so they may try and get your gold and good luck to them if they try, but they will never try and kill it. Now, Bitcoin, they don't own Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just a competitor a potential competitor in a time of crisis. And you know what happens in times of crisis? You have capital controls. Also, governments will go to great lengths in a crisis to, you know, including screwing over their own people to keep the system intact. So, so that's it. To me, that's it. Now, listen, I may be proven wrong. And if I live 50 years more longer here and 50 years you ask me and I'm wrong, great. But if you're asking me today, where am I going to keep my store of value where I can sleep at night? It's going to be gold. Bitcoin has its purpose and people can speculate whether it will be a gold-like asset someday. And that's fine. And they may be right. But it's certainly not proven today. And I wouldn't take the risk as a store of value. End of speech. Uh, Ronnie, before I allow you to respond to uh, to that, uh, um, I, I'd like um, to, to challenge you a little bit, uh, Frank, with with a um, follow up question. Um, let's assume that um, something um, material happens to the view on Bitcoin within central banks. Um, let's assume that there is a growing probability that central banks will actually accept Bitcoin as part of their reserve or accept the possibility that Bitcoin could become part of some sort of digitally backed currency. What would be your, would that be a game changer for your view? That's basically my question. 
Oh, of course. But yeah. you're, again, you're speculating. If my aunt yeah. had a beard, she'd be my uncle. You know, it's 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 like <laughs> you're speculating. F F F, and that's what you know. You know, guys like Michael Saylor were running around saying, "Well, you know, look, El Salvador and 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 uh, Central African Republic, you know." Are, I said, "So what?" By the way, it's been a, an absolute disaster in El Salvador as as you know the whole Bitcoin Bitcoin experiment. Sure, if tomorrow, um, you know, China, the Central Bank of China, or you know, any other large country decided to load up on Bitcoin, of course it would change my view, but it's not happening. I don't see it happening. And so until it happens, you can't ask me questions like that because it's speculation. Fair point, Frank. Uh, Ronnie, I'll allow you to conclude on uh, on this topic. Yeah, I suppose that uh, you have uh, a lot of uh, discussions on this exact topic of Bitcoin versus gold with uh, institutions and, and clients of yours. Yeah, well, well, Andreas, I mean, I, I bought my first Bitcoins in, in, in 2012 and, and in hindsight, I, you know, I, I sold too early. Uh, that's that's at least what my, my wife keeps telling me. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, it's uh, what I really like about it is that, that, that people are discussing money again. Uh, and I see, you know, if <laughs> first of all, if you go to Bitcoin conferences, um, it's it's crazy. Yeah? You meet so many, you know, uh, uh, people from from all over the globe with a very very positive uh, attitude and it's 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 a very very positive sentiment and and that's that's what i kind of enjoy uh, especially compared to 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 gold and mining conferences where it's it's sometimes a bit you know a bit depressing um so but the fact that young kids are now questioning um, themselves and 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 asking the question: What is money? Where does money come from? What is good money? Um, I think that's a very very positive thing because you know it's not money is not being taught you know in school on on universities and and I would say like ninety nine percent of all people working in the bank have got no clue how money is actually being created. So that's a positive thing. Um, the second thing is. Um, you know, we we run uh, two funds that actually combine gold and Bitcoin. One of them is 75% physical gold stored in Liechtenstein um, uh, and 25% Bitcoin in a cold wallet. And then we use the volatility of the Bitcoin market um, uh, by writing options, which is from my point of view that, that, that totally makes sense. But we faced lots of criticism from the gold community saying, you know, Bitcoin is, is 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 our arch enemy, but then also from the crypto uh, community because they said, well, gold is you know that's that's only for 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 old people and it's 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 the past but not the future. From my point of view, it's 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 a good combination, and of course, I mean, uh, gold has this tremendous five thousand years track record, while while Bitcoin is hardly a teenager. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 around for fifteen years, and we all know from from our teenage times that. We do crazy, crazy, crazy things during that time. But we grow up, and I think that that Bitcoin has also grown up. and And we are seeing, for example, when it comes to volatility, um, uh, the the 360 day uh, volatility of Bitcoin was 38 uh, percent, um, which is the lowest uh, volatility on record. Uh, gold's volatility, by the way, is roughly 13 percent. So it is definitely it, it's a volatile beast. Um, but it is also something that I think tries to, you know, 
copy gold. And, and, and I think Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever it was, he clearly understood gold. And for example, in the white paper, it says um, the steady addition of a constant amount of new coins is analogous to gold miners expanding resources to add gold to circulation. In our case, it is CPU time and electricity that is expanded. So the stock to flow ratio is really crucial when it comes to understanding gold and when it comes to understanding Bitcoin. And, and I think, you know, this, this um, relative scarcity of gold and Bitcoin, this, um, uh, you know, this, this low inflation rate, this is really something that you want to have in this world that we're living in, in this, in this monetary system. So I would say, um, you know, buying Bitcoin, but also buying gold, it, it's like a very active decision to leave the fiat money system. And I've got it for many people that have never bought um, uh, gold, but also Bitcoin before. For them, it's like, ah, they, they feel like it's, it's something, you know, it's like having sex for the very first time. You know, they, they try to read everything and, you know, inform themselves and they're really nervous. But it is, I think once you got it, once you understand how our monetary system works, I think gold, you know, for stability, but probably Bitcoin for convexity um, uh, makes sense. But I know that uh, it's, a, it's a very, very emotional topic. But, you know, let's face it, we're, you know, free market guys. And I think, you know, um, we all enjoy the virtues of, 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 of competition. And why shouldn't we have like currency competition? Uh, I think that's, that's, that's what Hayek basically said. So, so I really welcome um, the fact that that Bitcoin is here, and and um, I would say that, you know, I I I I once made that comparison in an interview with um, uh, Daniela Camboni. I said it's it's like gold is like having this super stable Volvo SUV in your um, in your garage, while Bitcoin is like a, a motorcycle, a Ducati Panengale, and um, you can have both actually. Yeah, why not? Um, when it's probably a bit icy when it's raining, when it's foggy, you want to sit in the Volvo SUV, um, but it's probably more fun to, to ride the Ducati. So um, I'm in the camp that says, well, why not have both? Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ronnie, to, uh, to be brutally honest, I think my, losing my Bitcoin virginity was a better experience than losing my actual virginity. But I guess that says a lot about <laughs> the latter, right? <laughs> um, uh, guys, it's been a tremendous pleasure hosting you for this discussion on gold markets and also the discussion on gold versus uh, Bitcoin. Uh, Ronnie Stofilia of uh, Incrementum Asset Management, thank you very much for being with us. And also Frank Juster, the president of the Fiori Group, thank you very much for being with us on our platform. It was a pleasure hosting you. Ronnie raises an interesting point about the parallels between Bitcoin and gold. Are digital currencies finally beginning to move into the role of alternative assets? In this next segment, Raul and Kevin Kelly break down the very latest happenings at the cross-section of macro and crypto. What I'm trying to express to people is 
we kind of just watch just the price and we see that and it's like that's what we think is going on but when you actually spend some time like kevin and i were at a party there's a whole group of people doing music there's a whole group of people doing seeding kind of the consumer application side and building that there's vcs helping all of these new businesses in their journey then there was people like uh, colleen sullivan who's been on real vision um talking about gaming and culture um there was brian armstrong talking about regulation there's the people working on payments rails there's the people working on zero knowledge there's people working on every single part of this the guys from franklin templeton have been on real vision we're talking about tokenizing real world assets so what you're seeing is the financial system building the gaming industry building the culturally relevant stuff around um music and fashion and nfts and all of that building we're seeing the payments rails the wallet the application level i mean there is so much going on and you don't really realize it because you just watch price and watch twitter but really it is so deep and so disruptive and everyone's kind of taken their niche and is going after that part of the ecosystem oh. to disrupt and you know the space i get reminded every time i go to an event is it is easily the smartest group of most eclectic thinkers of any industry I've ever been in. You know, and when I was at Goldman, finance was taking more nuclear scientists and more scientists overall than all of academia and pretty much everywhere else. You know, we had a lot of smart people, but they were kind of singular types that fitted in. This is like, Christ, everybody's a weirdo and they're all incredibly smart. Um, so that's that was my takeaway. Kevin, what do you what do you think? What did you see? Yeah, I think uh, to that point, sometimes I think we're, we're I shouldn't say we the people in our industry are often almost too smart for our own good, right? Where as we've talked about, I think getting back to the basics and simplicity, simplicity will rule complexity every day of the week, right? Especially when you're talking about more consumer facing applications. Um, no, I had very similar sentiments. I think the focus on the application layer as well as all the classic infrastructure conversations that happened was was certainly refreshing there was two or three really well um put together events specifically targeting real world assets like you just talked about which i thought was a bit um was a bit surprising um and it seems like again that's an area where there's a lot of both time and, and resource and investment going into even though that's a very very kind of nascent at least where we are today um, so there's, there's plenty of things that, you know, again, for anybody who's an enthusiast or just curious about this space can kind of branch into. And that's, that's also what I love about it. To your point, a lot more of the events I was around was kind of that consumer facing application, cultural type of um, uh, Web3 use cases. But there's really something for everybody in this space, right? Whether you're a developer and you're really focused on the infrastructure side, whether you're now, again, have experience in product development and specifically consumer product development and what the important kind of metrics are, how you even acquire users for a new application and, and all of those um, all of those kind of trade secrets are only becoming more important, right? As, as those types of applications start to get built out, the whole TradFi real world finance aspect. So there's the merging or meeting of the minds across a number of different sectors, number of different ideas, number of different industries that are that are all kind of coming together within web3 it's it's certainly going to take time right it's not an overnight thing but events like that i totally agree it's it's a nice refresher and and um rejuvenator of sorts right around what it is you know why we're still here and why we're excited about those and the other two that stood out to me 
is I had a chat with Tolly from Solana. You know, him as a thought leader, he's impeccable. He never attacks anybody. He's very inclusive. What they're building is mind-blowing. It's the first time I've really heard about, is it called Fire Dancer? Yeah. It's 400,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. 400, TPS. I, I presume it's a Solana Layer 2, is it? It's a, uh, it's a Solana client. But yes, yes, it's the, the purpose is to try and yeah, increase scalability. But it's, all, it's one of those things where at scale or once we reach you know, more quote-unquote mass adoption, those types of, um, those types of uh, developments will be really important. But I still do think, not to you know, rain on our parade here, I still do think we have a lot of excess capacity in terms of you know, block space and just a lot of the technology that's been built to improve scalability and all that, we really need to, to have more of those use cases that bring more people in for us to really test the limitations. But it's of also what. a catch-22, right? Because unless it's you need it, you need it before enough, you, can. you can't do ticketing. Well, you can do now on Solana because they've made it so cheap, but a lot of the use cases you can't do. You either can't do big enough files like video, mm -hmm. or you can't do cheap enough to do tickets. It's like it's part of the infrastructure needs to happen, but you, but you're right. I mean, there's there's an excess of blockchain capacity, which is why I think all of us think that the consolidation ends up in five or so major chains. I guess. Yeah, I will say really quickly in our conversation, um, you and I both had at the at the event we we attended. Um, if you're looking for a real kind of example or examples of this kind of consumer facing product app development that we're talking about. I would check out everything that Chess Loss and the Seed Club team is doing. They've got their their demo day um, in a couple of days. Yeah, I couldn't um, make it, but that looks a great day, actually. Yeah, yeah, and it's and they basically. Can tell us for people who aren't familiar? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so Seed Club basically uh, started off as a, um, uh, I guess, a bit of a, a dour collection of people who wanted to focus on uh, creating an accelerator model for more kind of consumer, unique, novel, consumer-facing uh, products within the Web3 space. And they eventually, uh, certain members of the team also uh, wound up spinning up a, a venture side that allows them to kind of invest in some of these um, projects. But the point being is they now have, I think, hundreds and hundreds of applicants for 15 to 20 slots for each of these cohorts that they do, accelerator cohorts that they do. And they basically take them through um, a classic accelerator program where all the way from the kind of ideation to trying to build an MVP to then demoing what that MVP looks like, how it can be used, and the range of these types of products go anywhere from, again, music applications to you know ticketing to whatever. Um, the uh, demo days I've found really, really valuable, not just to see what people are building out there, but also to kind of expand the imagination of, of what is possible with this, with this tech. And what's really interesting, you have a lot of people and founders who are building something from an industry that they come from, and they're trying to find better ways to leverage Web3 and crypto and this technology to create an actual better product than what the incumbents can offer, right? Either a new product or something that is um, a significant improvement on, upon what exists today. And so again, all of us have our own kind of expertise in different worlds that we come from. And so what I love about that is, is people talking from a point of being a domain expert about, you know, my, let's call it music industry expertise and experience. And now I'm gonna go build an application that's, you know, targeting this industry and here's the problems we're trying to solve and here's how we're doing it with Web3. It's just a really, really interesting and, and quite frankly, a fun, um, 
you know, team to follow. Because uh, I think a lot of what they're doing is kind of at the center of, you know, some of the trends that we've been talking about here. And you've interviewed Jess in the past, but I think it'd be a great idea to bring him back to yeah because they've done a ton yeah a ton since i first i first brought him on he's a one of the nicest people in the business and also he sees a lot of interesting things so you should definitely get him back the other thing that was interesting around the consumer stuff is Tarek. so kevin and i were co-founders of a business called science magic studios um and Tarek's the president he ran web through it and added as many of you have seen him on the platform we had a great twitter spaces with lacoste um you know, um, some karate combat um, group and also the guy who built, Adam Brockman, who built um, Starbucks' loyalty program. Um, just really interesting to see how the big brands are thinking about this. And they were thinking about it in the same way that you were just saying. They're using Web3 not as we want to do a Web3 thing. They're saying, how do we get closer to our community? What are the business problems we're trying to solve? And how do we use this technology? Does this apply to this? Um, and it's been really, really good for them. So they're all still crazy excited about that kind of stuff. And I think we'll see more of that over time. The other people I uh, bumped into was um, was the team at Coinbase, the head of institution, Brett Tedgepool, who's been on Real Vision, great guy, and also the head of Coinbase Asset Management, because that's a new thing. Um, that they've done as well. They bought One River. They're integrating that. And I just every time I meet people from Coinbase, I'm more impressed. What they're doing is building a. They're, they're going to build a monopoly in the end. And the U.S. government's kind of going to get going to enable it, and maybe the Europeans are too. So Coinbase is just fascinating. The quality of what they're building, who they're building. Talk, Kevin, you know more about it. I don't really understand base. Yeah, so base is um, base is basically a um, uh, you can think about it as, a, as an L two Ethereum L two that Coinbase built, um, basically using the uh, a fork of the um, Optimism text apps, so uses like optimistic rollups, right? What I find really interesting about base is that, um, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit. And we had an actually really good discussion internally uh, this past week on this this broader kind of meta concept. I think when it comes to these L1s, L2s, these these base layers, these protocols, right, where this activity is taking place, I think we're going to start to see. Yes, there are still things that need to be built out and improved upon on the on the technology side, but when it comes to things like rollups, some of that technology might wind up becoming more and more commoditized, right? So, so what you can do with it doesn't really change a whole lot. But what becomes even more important now is distribution. Right. And so distribution over tech may wind up being, you know, the kind of winning solution or what matters more, right, long term or in the end game. And what I what excites me about base is one is backed by Coinbase. I think Coinbase is an extremely impressive team. They've almost kind of gone full circle and they become cool again in a sense. Right. They've played into, you know, a lot of the uh, relevant crypto narratives and, and the ethos of this space uh, more recently. And um, some of the applications that are being built on there are actually starting to, you know, gain quite a bit of traction, right? Friend Tech is one that has, you know, exploded onto the scene in the last several weeks. Um, and when you look at some of this, some of the uh, on-chain data and metrics, I mean, Base has already surpassed what Optimism and Arbitrum, some of these other kind of what you would consider L2 competitors or peer uh, peer chains, it's already surpassed them in terms of, you know, total transaction count, activity levels. 
And so the fact that it's going to be integrated into this bigger coin ecosystem that Coinbase is building, I really think Coinbase is going to wind up being the gateway for a lot of people within Web3. And I think that they're going to be able to um, sustain some of the uh, revenue or business lines that they currently have, especially around retail trading, because as we've talked about, convenience in this space is also going to be, I think, a big factor going forward, right? So you might be paying above average fees to trade on Coinbase's platform or its exchange, but if you're not really leaving their ecosystem, right, because you're interacting with applications that are built on base, you have the ability to kind of trade in and out of assets right there in one interface that you don't have to leave, I think they're actually going to have a bit more staying power um, or, or the ability to, to, uh, to charge above average fees across the board than most people think. And when I say most people, I think, you know, Wall Street analysts. And we, also we quite a bit of security of storage. I mean, Coinbase, if you're mm -hmm. going to store it on an exchange, Coinbase would be my chosen one. Yeah. So everything they're doing there, I think, yeah. In terms of distribution, it's hard to see, you know, a, a more, um, a, a, better, a better team or a better L2 right now that has that type of distribution potential than Coinbase because they can build off of everything they've already built. Raul and Kevin have that conversation monthly. We've heard from a lot of you that you want to better understand this space. So we are going to be dropping a new crypto section for the Academy. All of this is available on the new Real Vision platform. Just go to realvision.com to learn how to join the best financial community out there. Have a great weekend, everyone. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.